Greetings, Wargamers. We're your hosts, Trevor, Jay, Josh, and this is Shane Attack. Attack. is sponsored by Discount Games Incorporated. Discount Games Incorporated specializes in customer service, low prices, and prompt shipping. You can find our web store at www.discountgamesinc.com. Chain Attack. I'm your host, Trevor, and uh, my family and I are now watching Wheel of Time, and we're deep into it. Why did I it's think been... you had already finished it? No. Okay. We we had not. I the the problem is getting my wife and my daughter and I all on the couch at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, we had we had not finished it. In fact, well, I've watched several series in between. My daughter's getting to the angsty part of her teen years where she doesn't want to do things with mom and dad. Like she'd rather watch YouTube videos and read her anime, Ugh, uh, man- manga YouTube. books, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, than than hang out with mom and dad. So I had to like basically force her to sit down and watch the first episode. And then when she realized, I don't know what she thought it was to begin with, but I think she thought it was, you know, she absolutely loves watching movies with dad, except for when he tries to get her to watch a war movie, and then she like completely and totally rebels. Mm-hmm. I, think she, I think I think maybe she thought this was something, you know, more along those lines, something that you know dad liked more than what she would like. And then when she figured out that it was a fantasy series and that it's actually something that she'll like more than dad mm. likes, now she's on board. Nice, nice. Uh, I'm I'm Jay, and I'm. Oh, I, I was going to say I'm out of pithy comments, but I, I, I guess one exciting thing is I do have a Orgoth and Signar battle groups shipping to me right now. Uh, should arrive at the start of next week, and then they'll be off to the painter, and we can start doing some Mark IV demos. Very exciting. Man, you are cool. Uh, and I'm Josh, and I'm now regretful that I didn't make any uh, political conversation behind the paywall, you know, but our, um, <laughs> our, our beloved, our beloved Patreon supporters will get some awesome chat with the bonus episode. Yeah. It's unfortunate because, uh, you know, I, I feel like, uh, you, you're, the expectation is that you should be like swearing fealty to, a certain ex-president right now publicly before any uh, knowledge is publicly available about anything, but I don't know. I, I look forward to this story when it can be shared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll we'll keep those conversations where they belong. Um, I guess uh, some this is I guess not really Discount Games Inc. news per se, although I guess it does have a little bit of impact. So in Towards the middle, to probably the end of September, there's going to be a few days where our, if you do an order on the website, it will be paused uh, and won't go out right away as normal because we are going to be doing renovations at Gameopolis and uh, it's going to be a lot of work, everything removed from the sales floor, etc. Um, but I'm pretty excited. The I think the store is going to look uh pretty top notch when when everything is finished um which so, is amazing to me because frankly it already was a pretty good looking store you know relative to others in the world <laughs> so that's I'm true too yeah i mean i one of the things that i'm excited about with it is that um when we initially moved into the space there was um you know just over the years there's a lot more inventory that we carry than we used to. Um, and so the store looks a lot more cramped than it did before. And, and when, when it first opened, it had like kind of a lounge and seating area that, that we mostly got rid of. There's a couple of bucket chairs still, but um, I'm excited that I think it's going to, we're still going to have, you know, pretty 
a lot of merchandise available for people to shop, but it's only going to be around the perimeter of the store and there's going to be increased play space. Um, and so I think the, the fill of the store is going to be improved quite a bit. So very excited about it overall, but it's going to be. And how easy. long will this be to get it done, Jay? Uh, well, I mean, really it's going to be like, there's going to be one hell week essentially where. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's good that you recognize what it will be. Yeah, I mean, we're getting the hardwood floors refinished, and that's going to take three days. And so, you know, a couple of days removing everything beforehand and then getting everything back set up with the new stuff after that will be, you know, another two or three days. And then at some point after that, one of the part of what I'm you know most excited about is we're, we're having like some custom made acrylic signage and uh, essentially artwork on some of it added to the store. Um, and I'm not totally sure when after the setup we're going to have that done, but hopefully by, you know, start to middle of October, everything is going to be completely done and, and, and we'll be excited for that. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, all right. So to start off our part three of the discussion of, uh, War Machine Mark IV, uh, I feel like we have two corrections that we need to to go over um which are uh, i mean really they're they're both essentially uh my doing and so we can we can lay the the blame at my feet i guess wouldn't Um, matter if it wasn't your fault we'd still lay it at your feet okay fair (laughs) enough so (laughs) the one of the things we said was that um uh we talked about being concerned about the removal of Warjack and Warbeast points from uh, Warcasters and a concern about, you know, that I didn't want to see just like infantry machine become really even a possibility. And it is correct that, that Warjack and Warbeast points have, have been removed. And, and there's, there's some people who dislike that and feel like it's, you know, removes an element of potential game balance. I, I personally kind of feel like, the game balance of you know this caster is a little bit weaker so they have you know two or three more warjack points was kind of a marginal uh not not super useful in my opinion but anyways that is gone but the thing that is um in there if when you go to the the list building rules at the 50 point level it says that um, it's a skirmish size game and you must include one Warjack or war beast and that battle angels, battle engines, colossals and gargantuans are not allowed. Uh, then at 75 points, uh, you have to take two Warjacks or war beast. And at a hundred points, you have to take three Warjacks or war beasts. And, and there's some people who have, have said that one of the things they dislike about it is that with the Warjack points, let's say you had 30 Warjack points, you ended up spending that full or close to that full allotment on getting war jacks. And in, in this new rule set, you could, um, you know, just buy like two cheap jacks or the cheapest jacks possible and then spend the rest on infantry. And that is a true statement. Um, but I, I guess I kind of feel like the main onus onus on, on balancing that is going to be that the game designers need to, in my opinion, make, Warjacks attractive points wise or value wise uh, as to why you want to take a Warjack. Um, okay. And that, that that will be, I guess, kind of the game balance that that is critical. But I'm, I'm curious on your guys' opinion on uh, what I just went over. I, theme lists have made me leery of requirements, right? <laughs> Probably not as leery as they've made Trevor. But oh, I like requirements. Don't get me wrong. I just want different types of requirements. Okay. All right. So well, so that's it. I mean, so that's maybe an interesting point. Like, how do these? How does this as a type of requirement, you know, feel to you versus the themeless types of requirements? So, so here, the, the difference here is that there's no requirement to take specific types of jacks. It's just two jacks. I, that's fine. I don't care. Okay. You know, in, in there was one point where. So let's go back in time to uh, my early 40K days. 
okay? There was a time when 40K was filled with spamming of particular units as well. And and I'm sure it's actually probably back, but there was a version of 40K, and I think it might have been 3rd edition or 4th edition, I can't remember which, that had force building requirements. You had to have one commander, you had to have um, one unit of, of heavy weapons, infantry, whatever they were, you had to have one unit of whatever. I mean, these, they, they let you pick from those, from that framework, but you still had to have a, by rules, you had to have a balanced army. I have no problems with that. In fact, I like it. I really dislike the... You heard it here first. Trevor loves the the spilling rules of Warhammer 40k. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've always hated the unlimited field allowance in, in War Machine, and I've said so. I really think, and I, from the very beginning, I've always been a supporter of FA2 for all Warjacks and Warbeasts. And I, I mentioned it in, in the Discord. I just... I I do remember you talking about that in the past, yeah. Yeah, it's just, I don't think you should be able to fill a list with one unit and do that unit indefinitely. I don't think it's very realistic as far as, like, what a, a fantasy or army of any kind would be built with. Because in the real world, when you do that and you lean heavily into one thing, then you get countered by something. Unfortunately, in game terms, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes because you're dealing with points rather than, you know, fielding an army of whatever you can fill it with, uh, those points sometimes aren't balanced. So here's the thing. Warcaster Warbeast points are just another method of balance. We're trying to balance the caster with the number of Warbeast or Warjack points. But the goal was to get you to take Warjacks or Warbeast. It It had two purposes. Right. So I don't mind that this has changed. Um, the truth is, is what Jay mentioned. Yes, you can take two of the cheapest jacks or two of the cheapest beasts you want, but you know, in some cases, you kind of kind of could have done that with the previous points values, depending on the Warcaster Warlock. So that doesn't bother me so much. I would rather see the balance happen at one flex point, point values. Okay, if there's an issue with the war, G- war, war beast or warjack, then fix the point values. I don't want to have multiple flex points of we're going to have to rebalance this theme list. We're going to have to rebalance this caster. You know, why have all those different points where you can adjust when really the one that matters points, that's where it needs to be adjusted, I guess. So, but I am still in favor of limiting the number of things you can take or requiring that you take certain things. You know, you're required to take one solo, one, one unit, one jack, whatever, you know, I don't, it doesn't need to be restrictive, but I think that it should try to avoid people flexing on mass of one thing. Yeah. 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 There you go, Jay. There's our opinions. Well, so there's, there's the first one. Uh, The next one is uh, there, there is a (laughs) listener who took umbrage at me saying that the Orgoth are black and that it was a, Bad look from Privateer Press to uh, have their big bad evils be black. Um, and, Man, I think uh, Umbridge is such a cool word for the record. <laughs> uh, and and he, he felt quite emphatically that the uh, Orgoth are Caucasian. Oh, um, okay, okay, all right. I do not agree with this assessment. Um, but I do think it is fair to say that it, it would have been more accurate for me to say, uh, that it is, instead of saying like, it's a bad look for Prefter Press to come out with, uh, their evil race being black people, uh, instead it would be more accurate to say non-white. So, you know, whatever, I guess, but, um, all, all of the Orgoth have these big, Helmets on, so it's it's a little bit tough to say. I've I would if if you were to make an Earth um, analogy or, or race relation, I would probably say um, that they're they probably look like someone who is from Mongolia would be the closest comparison, most likely. Okay. Um, so I I'm not even sure I've seen these models. I mean, I've seen pictures, I think, but I don't know that I've actually seen the models. And in the pictures. <laughs> they're all wearing they're heavily covered in armor yeah they are um i mean i'll i'll send a a text to you guys of of in my opinion i guess the uh 
one that is the most potentially egregious. Um, I guess kind of the um, the darkest skinned, but um, but I, what were you gonna say? I dislike the idea that any race is inherently evil in the game. Um, so I guess that doesn't necessarily matter, but sometimes I I think fantasy settings and and miniatures games they lean a little too heavily into tropes sometimes mm. uh, instead of what it's like in but you know whatever i guess you know you mean complicated yeah i mean the real world is extremely complicated all right well here here comes and i mean this is riveting uh radio <laughs> three old oh men. this is the you sending us a text thing right talking, now that's talking three old men talking about uh, <laughs> uh skin funny. tones in a fantasy miniatures game three three white middle-aged yes men. three you need to you need to bear, three three white middle-aged males yeah i mean surely there's no way this could go wrong uh, <laughs> that skin seems a little bronzy to me yeah i would say bronze so anyway we can move on from that so uh we're going to talk now about the additional changes the last things that we just talked about were uh, assassination and execution modes as play modes and the removal of theme lists and the next one that uh we're on is models can only attack enemy models yeah so they've basically, you know, before they tried to remove power attacks, et cetera, but now they've basically said no attacking of friendly models. This this is the the, the death knell of Flying Circus, right? Mm, yeah, I mean... It's the death knell of... of Flying Circus was dead before, to be yeah. fair. Yeah, well, that's fair. The, yeah. Like, so the Infernals would kill their own cultists so that their guy would get souls so that they could get re-rolls or, you know... Uh, Bull crunk like that, which has been a, you know long and you know story a long story, story tradition. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, Menoth has been doing it for ages, so I I'm fine with this. You know, I think that it does. While I always enjoyed the opportunity to <laughs> to kill uh, my own models <laughs> to ex, ex, I exploit the various allowed loopholes of the rules for ingenuity man ingenuity. i gotta take classes from trevor for when i get to the legislature <laughs> that was really I, good. I the truth is is i there's a lot of things that were quote-unquote loopholes in the rules early on that i i loved because you could use them for really unique ways that mm-hmm. sometimes were outside the box there were times when i've had to kill a model that was in my charge lane to deliver a model, you know, d- kill my own model to open up a charge lane. I, I, su- I still like that. I still like the, you know, you're in the way, uh, die, you know, grunt. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I still like that, but I can understand where they're coming from. This is, we're trying to make a game and we're trying to make it friendly for all players. And one of the things that new players would somewhat think they'd come into the game and they'd be caught off guard by some, especially the ones that it's talking about, you know, and the one that Jay referenced, killing your own models to gain power. You know, I don't think they would have been as caught off guard by me killing my model to try to open up a charge lane. But it, at the end of the day, how do you write, oh, you can kill a model to gain a charge lane, but you can't kill a right, model. To yeah, gain yeah right, right. So it's just it's just clearing all that up. I like it overall. I will miss the days of innovative ways to approach the game. I mean, having said that, I feel like one of the things that's fun about this game is that people will still find wacky, <laughs> excuse me, innovative stuff to do, right? I hope so. I hope that as the game gets streamlined, it doesn't get dumbed down at the same time. Sure, sure. Because this game, the reason I've always loved this game more than most of its competitors is that most of the competitors are really straightforward. Move, attack, resolve. They're not about creating combinations of things that do something above and beyond what you could normally do. And this game has always been about doing that. Yeah, sure. And if if they streamline it to the point where it starts losing that, they'll definitely lose, I would say, more than me. I think that there's other people that agree with that. The All right, next Jay, one, what do you got next? Uh, basically, 
Sports is dead. Long live War Machine. Um, <laughs> I, I joke, but uh, basically they're no longer going to be marketing Hordes and War Machine as two separate entities. Everything is is all War Machine, including your your big stompy War Beasts. Um, so I feel like uh, contractually obligated to be the one that responds to this first. Honestly, I'm okay with it. Like as long as those factions or those armies or the versions of those models, you know, reappear in some way, I'm okay with it. Does that make sense? Let me yeah. give you one other perspective with it. Okay. Um, there's a, and, and you know, I guess I don't know how much this actually matters or how much people pay attention to this, but there's a trade publication that will make essentially educated guesses at what the top selling product lines are. Okay. And so it'd be like number one, next wing, number two, you know, Warhammer 40 K. And then, you know, number three, War Machine number four, Kill Team number five hordes. <laughs> yes. And and there were a lot of people who were like, oh my, oh my gosh, you know, War Machine's doing so poorly because they're ranked so badly. Well, part of the problem was that they're they were being split up between oh sure games. Sure. And so this puts everything under one umbrella for uh cells tracking and stuff like that. Um like I said, I don't know that that actually matters a ton, but it is. I think it does a little bit. It matters to. It's still a thing, is what you're saying, though. I mean, it, it, so I realize that they're not publicly traded, but they still, you know, they may want to bring investors in. And at the bottom dollar looks different when you say, yeah, we've got two out of the top 10, uh, you know, miniatures games in the fantasy market instead of we have one of the top three, mm-hmm. you know, games in, in the fantasy market. You know, I agree. I think it matters. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. I, as someone who introduced a lot of people to this game over the years, one mm. of the questions that I always hated was the, well, you know, who plays, you know, what's the difference between hordes and war machine or can if I play hordes, can I play it against war machine? Just the confusion from new players as to the differences between hordes and war machine. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of people who thought, well, you know, which game should I get? You know, because they're thinking if I, you know, does everybody right. locally play War Machine? If I get hordes, will I have nobody to play against? Right, right. You know, that's what's going through their mind. And I'm thinking, no, 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 it's all the same game. It's always been all the same game. The, the amount of confusion that comes from outsiders here is just, there's no value to having them separate. I can't think of anything good that comes from calling them two separate things other than the idea that the warlocks and warcasters are different and that they have different sort of rules around them. But the truth is, is this all could have been under the same umbrella from the very beginning. Exactly. And would would have saved a lot of confusion. So this is a great change. And I'm a little surprised it's taken this long to happen. Yeah. I mean, one of, one of the rumblings that I've heard through the various years was that it was done that way for various trademark reasons or various i i don't know but i i am glad to uh see that gone uh so next we have more powerful war jackson war beasts um so you can customize them when you're building with you know weapons and heads etc um and they also get to attack with all of their weapons whether melee or ranged in the same activation uh, which is essentially like them having the dual attack advantage which lets them do range attacks while engaged so so i hope that it's go ahead i say thoughts on this one yeah i i hope that it's more than just that one one of my frustrations has always been that they decided when they first built this game to go with a six by six grid for health that the most the most hit points a warjack is going to have is 36 that that always sort of felt like a constraint that i never really cared for I realized that they went to double grids for for the you know the colossals and and war beasts have never had that restriction you know because they did right. spir- spirals instead of instead of columns and and I'm not saying that's something they should change but it always felt like the the warjacks needed a few more hit points than they had or something there was a time when you know warjacks were hardly even seen in the game in certainly in Mark One uh, Mark Two there were times when they were fairly rare. Um, you know, but more common. I just, I would like to see big stompy robots versus big stompy robots. And in order to do that, 
war jacks and war beasts just need they need slightly higher armor values they need slightly more hit points they need not just dual attack i hope like i said i hope that it's more than just dual attack that they're looking at doing well i mean a lot of it comes down to point cost as well um sure so there's there's a lot of levers you can pull but i I, I would i would agree Add more points too. I don't care, but I want, I want, at the end of the day, I want to feel like, and some of this comes down to competitive play where you needed models to cover the, the, all of the elements on the board. Right. And I don't, I don't know that that issue is going to go away, but I just want to feel like if I send a warjack out to a control point in competitive play, that it's not immediately going to get taken off the table and I'm going to lose that flank. Josh, your thoughts? I was, I got hung up on, I was trying to think of, ways other than like the phoenix protocol you know where you sort of overcame the whole 36 hit point limitation <laughs> so yeah um, i mean there's other ways he like some of them regenerated or could yeah re- what i was gonna say is i mean i do think that this does um satisfy the whole simplifying the rules thing you know that hey your big stompy robot or your big stompy monster can attack with all of his stuff all the time, you know, like, I think that's good. Um, yeah. And then I was just hung up on like, you know, cause, cause really when you're saying like, you hope it's more Trevor, like really what, what we're hoping to see accomplished is that there's just enough difference or just enough better about a war Jack or a war beast that, you know, you want to take them. Right. Yeah. And, and not just with the casters that are tailor made for them. Right. Right. Because we we certainly in in Mark Three saw full lists of war beasts or war jacks. It wasn't that uncommon, um, and and I thought that was cool. But there was certainly you know very little reason to take war jacks or war beasts with certain casters. I just I want to make I want to feel like you know I want to sit down and build a list. Regardless of the the war caster I take or war jack I take, I want to start by putting in three or four war beasts or war jacks. That's what I want to see on the table. Right, right, right. And then I'll throw in the the random units or whatever to round it out. All right, so next, next one I, I think is pretty interesting, streamlining the stats. An example of something that they're changing. Um, focus and Fury stats are going away. Instead, there is an Arcane stat, which um, sets how many Focus and Fury points you get. Um, and then there's also a stat for Control Range and Arcane Attack. And so uh, your Control Range is no longer... Uh, twice your uh, focus or fury stat, which is great news for warlocks who used to have a, a five fury stat. Um, <laughs> and in, in general, I think it's just a uh, a smart change. Yeah, I I love this change. Um, the strength stat going away is fantastic. Like that is it was yeah. never needed. It just caused complication. You know, streamline it so that we all know what the um you know what the the power of the weapon is um i do like the flexibility that they're giving themselves with the arcane stats versus control areas you know making them all sort of flexible stats that i mean that adds a little complexity to the game but i think it clarifies so much rather than having to for the new player having to look at the rules as far as you know what's my what what is my you know control area it's it's on the card now you know, instead of having to double and your it, focus on fury stat, it makes it so that uh, the various extremes, like designing someone like the Harbinger or designing someone like Madrak One, like there's so many knockoff effects based on what you picked as the focus or fury stat, and mm-hmm. having some granularity, I think, helps the, the design quite a lot. With the strength stat going away. Um... Well, I, this probably isn't even related. Like, what happens to things like throws and, you know, where else? There, There is stuff where that used to matter. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the later things we're getting to is simplified power attacks. Okay. So. All right. Bob, pause. Pause my question then. Okay. Uh, running standardization, instead of it being double their speed, a running model now gets plus five speed. Um, hmm. I don't know that, that I don't know that that's any simpler, but so it makes game all out easier. It okay. Makes it, yeah, it's 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 not about being. This is this is not necessarily a simpler thing. Yeah, it, yeah, it makes it makes it so that the speed seven troops are now not as fast as they were before, and the right. speed four troops faster than they were before. It sort of it sort of closes the the curve of how 
fast things move. Additionally, the best part about it and the part that they mentioned is that they can provide bonuses to speed that don't instead of having to and make that flat across the board instead of having to make differentiation between speed and movement. movement. Yeah. Modifiers. So before you had to, you know, add a movement modifier because you didn't want to give them bonus speed because it would add on to their runs. This just simplifies writing the rules as far as, okay, we're going to give them a bonus to how far they move. And it's not going to matter whether they're charging, running, advancing, et cetera. We can just make it flat. They're going to gain this because instead of being doubled, it just adds on to the end. All right. So next we have increased melee ranges, the default melee range for uh, a, it just says we have increased the default melee range of the game from 0.5 to one inch to further de-emphasize model placement and to account for base overhang. <laughs> so <laughs> we're, we're not going to, we're not going to worry about sculpting changes or staying over to the base. We're just going to make it so stuff doesn't have to be so close. <laughs> <to it. laughs> Amazing. I, I, I found when I read this, I found it humorous rather than fix our model sizes or our base sizes. We're just going to change the rules. <laughs> um, I, it's fine. You know, I, I don't like their, their, their statement to further de-emphasize model place. That actually bothers me because I've always felt like model placement is so critical in the game. I, I can understand relaxing it a little bit, though. So I, I'm just focusing in on the way they state it. The truth is, is that moving from half inch to one inch, it helps a lot. There's a lot of times where you're being forced to shove two models together to comply with the half inch distance where it didn't matter as much. But you're dealing with pokey bits everywhere. I just, yeah, this is fine. It's not a big deal. It certainly helps with model placement as far as making it easier and quicker. And that's really the stated goals here. Yeah. Um, models are allowed to make range attacks while engaged. Um, the rules now allow for models in melee to make range attacks with a minus four attack roll penalty unless the model is attacking with a weapon with the pistol quality. I don't really have a strong opinion on this. Um, so I like it because one of the things it does is units with no range, with only range attacks cannot be um, sure. completely eliminated from the game just by engaging them at least they got something whether it's that impactful it doesn't feel like it's that impactful they're still going to (laughs) be essentially useless once they're engaged anyway but now they can at least you know hope to roll that 11 or 12 uh so next one um more crits more fun we have also sought to infuse mark four with a little more spontaneity and excitement to that end we've increased the number of critical effects in the game this has led to a somewhat more varied and rousing play experience. Hmm. This doesn't pass the simplify the rules test. No, it does not. Like not <laughs> even a little bit. No, I, it does not. This feels bad. Like it is. And I I should love it because I I love the D one hundred, you know, um random encounter tables in D D. I love randomness. But this doesn't yeah, this somebody was stayed up too late with this one. Like yep. This take doesn't take you the right direction. <laughs> Correct. I hate this is because I feel like. Do I remember wrong in Mark Three? It felt like they were starting to kind of consolidate critical effects. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's, of, there's there's nothing here that I about this statement that I like. I was reading when I first read through this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, that's how, I can handle that. And then I got to this one. Like, if I was a younger man, I would have blown my top. Like, I just would have I would have flipped my lid at this point. Like, I don't understand any of the rationale behind it. Like, this does not provide spontaneity. This does not provide excitement. This only makes it more complex. This is only something additional that I have to explain to that new player. It it, it provides, I mean, I haven't seen the crit effects, but I'm assuming they're probably along the lines of the previous crit effects. And there's just nothing here that, that this, they could have removed crit effects or made them more simplified, like a generic crit effect for everything. There's when you roll double sixes, you get something, or I don't know, but this is not the direction they should have went. I'm trying to find, they gave an example of like Razorwind, the crappy nuke that Kator had, has been shown as an example. And it's now a spray, and it has a crit effect on it that is like super, super strong. <laughs> I think it's like... I think it was maybe crit stationary, something like that. Um, and so, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess my my main concern with it 
is that one of the games that a lot of people love and, and that's great. People can like whatever they want, I guess. But um, when I have watched games of infinity, I, it has not really appealed to me because it seemed like a lot of the game was having these like really strong crit effects and whoever was rolling the most crits was going to um, have a big advantage. And I mean, I guess it's not surprising that the the podcast who has kind of its roots in trying to be want to be tryhards at various points um, doesn't like this because <laughs> crits are in general not something that um, a competitive player is going to be excited about. I think um, it's it's the same reason that. Uh, like if you're playing a role-playing game and you're like, yeah, we're going to play this role-playing game and it has like a lot of these devastating crits and it's going to be so cinematic. And I'm like, oh no, this is awful because that means that there's going to be all these attacks coming into my character that are crits and I'm going to have all these horrendous wounds or whatever. And like, sure, I'll get an amazing crit on, you know, Mook 2000, but that doesn't really matter. So anyways, it, it, it increases variance is the thing that competitive players dislike, I guess is sums yeah, it more, I, more readily. One of the problems with variance is that especially powerful variance is that it, that it's hard to, to rely upon and Correct, yeah. it um, can be game changing. And one of the things that happens to a competitive player is if he can play the game completely right and then at the very end have his opponent go in on a massive Hail Mary and have the game completely flip on its head uh, because of randomization. And that's not what I want. I want to have I want to both win the game or lose the game based on tactics and my grasp of um, of of the game system. I don't want to lose because of a big swing based on luck. So I will certain, certainly there are big swings sometimes in dice, but they're you're generally over the course of an entire battle. They're they're balanced out. The the crit mechanic adds an additional something that happens in addition to damage that generally is not something I want to happen. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I there's not uh, not much more to say about that, I guess. <laughs> um, so next one. Um, we have rough terrain. Models now suffer a, a flat minus two movement penalty when they begin an advance within rough terrain or advance into rough terrain. This is in lieu of moving a half rate through rough terrain, which could be both complex and counterintuitive to resolve. Uh, so this was like a great change to me. Uh, uh, a plus no notes. <laughs> <laughs> ten, 10 out of 10 would make this change again. Yes, yes. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Like having to... Do math in your head on like, okay, I'm moving a, a half inch, move one quarter, starting adding as you're making little minutia movements through a forest around something else or doing things like that. It is hell. That is one of the worst aspects of War Machine. So, you know, just losing two inches when you move into rough terrain. Um, I'm sure there might be something that comes up that makes it difficult to figure out or make it complex, but at the base of it, I'm this is fantastic. Agreed. Uh, so next one, return of elevation. We have returned elevation to the game in the hopes of seeing more interesting varieties of terrain on the tabletop. Uh, I was upset when it was taken away in the first place. Like what, what is, what are some of the more varieties that are going to be? I mean, here's, here's, I think what really the unspoken core of this is and, and, and some of this. So at, at one point, um, Muse on Minis pitched the idea of, you know, some licensed 2D printed terrain for War Machine. And they're like, uh, we're, we're going to pass on this, I think. And partially because we want to take the kind of the course with the community where we are encouraging them to have beautiful tables of terrain, uh, so that when people walk by, they're like, oh, this game looks really cool. And when you're playing it as like a, a tournament player, it's really easy to be like, okay, here's you know my various mouse pad uh, terrain that's out on the table. And, and that does work much better for a competitive game. 
but it's also not as visually impactful and not necessarily it's not as evocative as a well-crafted table of terrain and so in, in my opinion it's kind of related to that of of trying to um make the game more visually appealing to more players i i agree i I love 2D terrain for the use for the simpleness of of doing competitive play, but this at the end of the day, this is a miniatures game. We're trying to evoke a visual, visually pleasing experience, and when you start taking away terrain types and limiting to what you see, the game gets a little stale and it doesn't look that great. Um, so, and I think that it this is a pretty big turnoff to um, the modelers out there who love miniatures games, and you're cutting off a big portion of your audience by doing mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. um so i i love to see elevation coming along i mean tournament players we always we'll figure out a way to survive you know give us ele- give give everybody else the elevation and we'll and it, it does it does suck to have like your model that's on the edge of the hill that is permanently tipping all over the place but you know <laughs> i mean get over it <laughs> that is my scientific uh analysis <laughs> conclusion my yeah. yeah my only other concern on the bringing more terrain types back is is similar i know it's not the same as the crit effects thing conversation we just had but it feels like it does not simplify yeah that's fair um all right so simplified power attacks power attack interactions have been largely streamlined and simplified thrown models for example no longer deviate or target other models when they are moved uh, collateral damage is now based on the base size of the attacking model relative to the model suffering the collateral damage. Instead of strength. Yeah. So like a large a large model into a small based model is going to do more damage than medium into small basically, right? Is that? Yeah, probably. Okay. It's probably. I'm assuming it's going to be like a a a set pow plus two d six, and the pow is going to be varied based on base size. And I I didn't have it in me to dive into the full rules and read the <laughs> yeah to be fair, the rules on power attacks so okay, none, okay. none of us have none of us have read the actual rules but simplifying... I, I will say well and just so i remember that... like power attacks like they'd already been simplified like you know we, you didn't have weapon locks and arm locks and that kind of crap anymore yeah yeah they had been simplified some there there certainly was still i mean they're they're in kind of a um difficult situation where you do want to have some of these things in your game because it, it does make things interesting, um, but you also need it to be as simplified and streamlined as possible. And yeah. so, I don't. I the the goal or objective here is noble and good. I honestly I can't comment on if the implementation is what we want. Yeah, sure, that makes sense. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, my my caveat is I'm all for simplified power attacks. Uh, as long as they're actually good. <laughs> so simplify the rules as long as they're still good. If you're going to simplify the rules to the point where they're no longer worth doing or they're no longer of any value, then then why not just take them then out? Then just do away with them, right? Here's yeah, my right. question. How many power attacks is too few power attacks? You I know, mean, it's too few to be interesting. You're talking to two Mark One yeah so the truth is is i think we're already past that point okay like i think we're already at at too few so you you know remember your audience a little bit here um but the truth is is i don't know how to how many is too few for me it's already past that point like the the number of options i had available to me in mark ii was just so wonderful like the things i could do and and the options that i had um, and they've 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 reduced that to the point now where I'm not sure. And it feels like you basically need throw, slam, and headbutt are the core power attacks. I don't even know what headbutt does anymore. I don't know that I've ever I don't know that I've ever used a headbutt in my life. It just knocks them down, right? Yeah, and it it does. A, I mean, that's really the only part that mattered. It it did a pow a strength pow damage roll as well, but the part that mattered was knocking them down. Uh, I feel like. I really do miss the the options for two-handed throws and being able to target some of the stuff they're taking away. I I don't I, I don't know that I'll ever miss arm locks. There were situations where arm locks were frankly broken. 
Well, I mean, the for me, the only memory of arm locks that matters is like the one brilliant time that Jay used it, you know. Uh, and, and that is an example of broken. Like taking a colossal and arm locking a smaller base model that doesn't have any, no chance of ever breaking the arm lock. It's just one of those situations where. Dirty. Yeah, so it was dirty. It, I mean, it was great and I loved it and I would love if it continued. Um, but it's one of those things that's maybe a little harder to balance. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I don't know. I would love to see some other power attack come in. I don't know what it would be, whether it would be like a tackle or, you know, there's, there's a lot of ideas out there that you could use a, a leg sweep. You know, I, I don't know what a it clothesline. is. Yeah. Those things are cool. I, we <laughs> want big smashy robots doing really cool power attacks. And honestly, the game has gotten farther and farther away from that in some ways. Sure. Uh, you know, this is this is not even close to the grind, the Mark One grind, where it was all about you know 100% power attacks. Um, so I would like to see you know simplified, but but more options. Give me some options to do some cool stuff. Um, so we have just a few left. Uh, simplification of model rules. Uh, we've taken the steps to reduce the sheer bulk of rules on each model in the game. The goal has been applied case by case with care taken to maintain each model's slash unit's role and unique capabilities while also trimming some fat and reducing the cognitive load required to play against certain models. The capabilities and point costs of every model slash unit of the game are being carefully weighed and rebalanced to ensure their place within each army. And basically this happens every edition. They're like, okay, we're going to cut down the rules. <laughs> and then there's well, a, slow, kind of goes there's a slow creep every release. Yeah. <laughs> well, this kind of goes back to the critical effects conversation, right? It's like, that's how I remember in Mark III the rules getting simplified is that all of a sudden a model that used to do one thing that was similar to another thing, now both models had the same new rule, you know, and, and it was more or less still thematic and stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's happened every edition. You went from Mark One where every rule was unique on each card or a lot of rules were unique down to Mark II where they tried to take out unique spells, etc., um you know and and i remember what was it mark one the great bears the cato great bears had like for three three models they, uh -huh, had, three, uh -huh. they had it was a three model unit and they had like three cards worth of rules yeah yeah <laughs> it was ridiculous like the number each of, of rules. the each of the three-man units that came out in legends was right before an edition change and they just had like you know a thick tome of rules on them and then they're like we're changing all of this and we're going to streamline and, you know, et cetera. Well, the funny part about I, the great bears is even after the rules changed, they still had two cards worth yeah, of they rules. Did. <laughs> so, you know, whatever, but I, I, I mean, this, this again falls under the category of a uh, noble goal. It comes down to implementation. Yeah. Um, see how I, that I'm goes. glad they're, I'm glad they're putting lip service to this. The truth is, is I thought they were, <laughs> they were in a pretty good place in Mark three. As yeah, far as the simplification right. of the rules, I don't know that this actually needs to happen much. In some cases, it maybe it does. A few models were getting wordy, and the truth is, is I as the editions you know move on and they try to make models seem more unique. Later in the editions, you just get models that have more rules on them, and that's just just human nature, you know. Um, so I'm glad that they're trying to do the continue this trend, but there's going to be a point I think where they're going to get a little too far, and. There was times, at least at the beginning of Mark III, where I kind of thought they were maybe moving a little too far towards this. So I'm glad that they're doing it at the beginning of Mark IV, but it won't stick around, I don't think. I think you'll start getting more. As the edition moves on, more and more models will have more and more rules on them. Yeah. All right, so final one, keywords. Several keywords have been modified or removed, often due to interactions with the new rule set. These will continue to be updated as models with these key rules. Keywords roll into the new game. You can't really know what exactly yeah. okay. this is, right? Yeah. 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 And whatever. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so there, there we you go. We've gone through all of their stated uh, overview of the, the rules changes. Um, I guess any final thoughts on the, the wrap up of it? Uh, I'm still uh, more excited than I was, you know, before we went through all this. Um. I, you know, I just want to mention to people who may have seen my tweet on, uh, on Twitter. Um, I mentioned how my biggest, the biggest thing for me to swallow with this whole thing is, you know, basically it feels like I'm losing a five to thousand, five to $7,000 investment. 
you know i yeah, have right i, ha- right, I have right. a large portion of models that are very well painted that i paid a lot of money for and it feels like a lot of those are just being thrown out if i can get past that i love everything else there's very few things here i dislike crit the the crit thing notwithstanding that that sort of bugs me but the rest of this i'm all fine with i like all this i'm excited about the game again um so as long as i sort of ignore the amount of money i've wasted up to this point <laughs> I'm very and i think some uh, people, i mean i think there were some people on twitter who sort of thought that i was sort of being down on the fourth edition i'm not i like this i mean it is the something the thing i mean the sunk cost fallacy concept exists for a reason yes. <laughs> I mean, people yes <laughs> it is a part of human nature and so you know i think that's understandable i i have i've had a fairly easy time and granted i'm in a unique situation but you know i have spent a lot of money on war machine but i've received a lot of enjoyment out of it and uh basically the the old models are dead to me at this point and uh that's and i don't have an issue with that <laughs> so i'm i am excited for uh the new edition i'm excited you know, I, I like I've said, I'm going to play Orgoth at release and then Dusk when they release later, and um, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm probably not coming back till the Draconiles revived. <laughs> well, let's let's be clear. You're not coming back until you become a Time Lord. But... <laughs> <laughs> details, details. All right. Well, uh, let us know what you guys think of the the upcoming edition. And uh, we're interested in hearing what you you have to say.